Hello and welcome to post-exertional mayonnaise. How are you, Dov? Um, I'm okay. I'm a little crashy, but I'm very happy to be doing the podcast with you. How are you? Yeah, similar, similar. I've had a, been in bed quite a lot this week. Um, so yeah, a bit drained, but um, no, also excited to to be here as well and um to to talk a little bit more and to try and build on what we've what we've started um uh we just thought we'd we're going to talk about our own stories a little bit today because um people might start listening to the podcast and think who are these people why should i listen to them um so we thought it would be nice to just to share a little bit about ourselves um and see where the conversation goes um we've got some little segments as well um that we'll sort of insert in and then we'll go from there. Um, to start off, we thought it'd be really nice to thank um, Lou Baker, who's done our excellent um, uh, artwork for the podcast. And I'm, I'm sure lots of people will have seen it online. And we're really impressed, aren't we, Dov? Hmm? We're really impressed with the artwork. Yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you, Lou. And thank you saved you. everyone from my really bad mayonnaise art. I'm a bad mayonnaise <laughs> artist. I need to share that actually. I haven't shared it online, so we'll we'll share some of Dov's mayonnaise art um, for for those who want to see it. Um, so yeah, Lou Lou Baker uh, is an, an amazing illustrator. She's got Emmy, yes. and um, you can find her work at loubakerart.com. So that's L U B A K E R A R T dot com. Um, so do go and look her up if you and, and yeah just and I go... love looking at oh sorry no no Please. go on oh I was just gonna say I love looking at her art on Instagram she has an in she actually has two Instagram accounts I have I found one I seem to have somehow not figured out how to find the other one but um I love looking at her artwork on Instagram um I don't know her um account name off the top of my head but I will link it um put I will put it in the um when we post this podcast when i put it on instagram i'll link to her in the show notes at least one of her accounts brilliant um yeah so we just want to thank people for watching our introduction episode as well we were just like really pleased to get loads of positive feedback and people are um really keen to listen and um and that's brilliant isn't it and and um and also, I, I I kind of got really enthusiastic and invited lots of people as guests, not expecting quite so many people to come back and say, yes, I'd love to come on. So we've got a number of people that um, are really keen to come on on the podcast and talk about their experiences and their art um, and their work. And and um, it'll just be brilliant to, to sort of delve into people's stories and delve into people's meaning making, really. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. But... Um, just for if, if you did agree to come on as a guest, just bear with us because um, we're going to be sort of working through that list and then arranging sort of um, sort of times to to meet with people and stuff online. Um, so uh, should we start with the cog fog corner? I don't know sure. if that's what we're going to call it, um, <laughs> but we, we a friend of mine, Paul, um, who's got me, he he um, posted online uh, that he'd accidentally used air freshener as deodorant. Um, and it made us think a little bit about all the times that we've just done daft things or said daft things and, and it adds a bit of humour. Um, and uh, I actually said to my wife this morning, uh, can you pass the DJ? And I just wanted her to pass me a mug and because um, I was going to make a cup of tea. 
And why I said DJ, I've got no idea. It's just, this is what any brains do sometimes, the cognitive dysfunction. Um, so uh, I'm just going to read some of these out. Lisa said, I forgot to, I forgot the word drink while doing bar work. I think I managed, hey, would you like a, like food, but liquid? <laughs> so, um, Kirsty says, we have these weird shower buttons in our room. Previous owners installed them. So it sounds like she can control her shower from inside her room, which is bizarre. But there you go. Have now gotten used to turning on the shower with these buttons. We also have a button light switch. Pressed the light switch a few days ago and wondered um, why the shower didn't go on. So, yeah, random, random. Um, Anna said, I used ibuprofen. No, I almost used ibuprofen gel. Uh, ibuprofen. I can't even talk today. Ibuprofen gel instead of toothpaste um Liv said, <laughs> Liv said i've put my phone and my ipad in the microwave and freezer multiple times <laughs> luckily clutching myself just before starting the microwave so microwave your phone um oh marilyn i love this one i've been zapped by an electric fence and thought that the zap was a new symptom <laughs> what's got it relatable um Christina, who's who's brilliant, she said, I sometimes talk in the wrong language as I can speak three. I sometimes write in the wrong language, uh, luckily only privately. Um, and then I'll, 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 I'll finish this on this one, and then I've got a, a more serious one as well. Um, Joe said, fetched cereals through to the bedroom when I was really ill. Realised I'd brought a fork instead of a spoon. No energy to go back into the kitchen. Ate the cereal with a fork. Thankful I'd chosen flakes and not Rice Krispies. And then um, one more, and we'll we'll come back. If you want to send us any more, it'd be brilliant. Um, somebody said, uh, I don't know this person's name because they're just lots of dashes and some dots. Um, not funny exactly, but I did forget how to drive while driving, which is uh, <laughs> slowed down to let a car through a narrowing in the road and thought something was wrong with the car. Called husband and explained the situation. He asked me to try a couple of things, turn the car on and off. Uh, what gear I was in, etc., and then asked what happened when I put my foot on the accelerator. It was only then that I realised I was trying to drive without using the gas pedal. He suggested I stay pulled over and call an Uber. I did, um, but I think that 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 just really highlights the challenges, doesn't it? With with actually, we might feel like we're doing all right, we're, we're kind of going along fine, driving along, and then all of a sudden, kind of something happens, and our brains just literally stop working. So. Um, I thought yeah. those were brilliant. I mean, I, I thought... stopped driving. Um, I think after my second year with ME, I just had to stop mm. driving because I felt so unsafe um, um, being in a car, given how how hard it was cognitively. Mm. Um, yeah, it's one of the things that drains me most. I do drive, but not much at all. Um, just kind of when I have to, really. Um, yeah, and not not very often. Um, so yeah, um, do you want, do you want to talk a little bit about your story, Dov, in terms of kind of like um, who you are, what 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 you were doing before you became ill, and um, kind of yeah that progression. I, Dan into... and I were emailing a little this morning, and um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I was kind of thinking of what does it mean to tell a short version of my ME story and. Where does my Emmy story begin? And I think there's so many ways. Um, I think so many of us, and you know, I'd be really interested to hear 
anything people have to say. I'm on Instagram, Dan's on Twitter, and you can email us. So you can like um, get in touch with him or get in touch with me or email our our Pempod site. Um, But uh, wait, what was I talking about? Your story. Um, Oh, yeah. Um, The question of of sort of when does your Emmy story start? Um, Because for me, I got Emmy when I was... On on the Gregorian Gnu year, which is what I call, I'm Jewish, so a lot of people call it the secular New Year because the Jewish New Year is not the the Gregorian New Year, which is kind of the Christian New Year. In any case, right. um, okay. uh, but you know, it's the Gregorian New Year. It was 2000. It was Gregorian New Year Eve, 2013, turning to 2014, and I and I and I was out with friends. I remember it so precisely because I, I was out with a bunch of friends. There's this thing in the town where I live in Massachusetts called First Night. Um, I think it's. I think they also do it in Boston and maybe other places, but in any case, it's. It's a lot of performances, mostly musical, and you can go from performance to p- performance. And I had a little cold, um, but I felt fine to be out. And, you know, I was, this was um, pre-COVID. I was out without a mask on with a cold, which I suppose is not necessarily the the something that I now feel like is the best thing to be doing. But, um, and at nine at night, almost on the dot, I came down with a fever and um, like a, an intense fever. And it was, I remember just having a really hard time getting home. I was kind of staggering, trying to catch a cab. I was so sick. And um, and then I had a flu for about seven to 10 days. And then I tried to go back to my life and, and I had severe brain fog, but I didn't know what it was called. Um, like profound. I, I was at the time I was a student teacher. I was getting my master's degree. I was, um, I guess to give you sort of a broad, um, you know, I was, I was born in 1971. I grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I went to college at Princeton, um, but really struggled there. And, um, uh, at that point, I kind of I came out as queer when I was at Princeton. I didn't yet know the word trans. Um, I started identifying as transgender when I learned as soon as I learned the word. Um, I was already using he/him pronouns some of the time, even before I knew the word trans. Um, and then and then I moved to San Francisco when I was 24 and lived there until I was 35. <laughs> um, worked various jobs and then moved to New York. And then I moved here to Massachusetts to do a Master of Fine Arts program in fiction. And um, I moved here in 2009 to Massachusetts. And um, and then after I got my Master of Fine Arts in fiction, I realized that it was going to be really hard getting a job. Um, so then I started a master's in teaching at Smith College. And it was during that master's program, it was a one year really intensive master's program that I got the flu. And then I was student teaching. And literally after I got the flu, the teacher would tell me to turn on the light and I would have to stand there or like turn off the light, turn on the light, like really simple tasks. And I would just stand there trying to process it. And it would take me like 
15 seconds to process what turn on the light meant. And um, so I was, right. I was really, right. I had really bad brain frog, brain frog, and really bad brain <laughs> frog. And, um, and I also like, even though I had chronic illness stuff for my entire adult life, and this is one of the reasons it's really hard to talk about, like, when does my Emmy story begin? Because mm -hmm. I, I had mast cell activation syndrome, though I didn't know what it was called for at, for a long time. And um, I had a lot of chronic illness stuff, but I also was very able to be very physically active. And I did yoga every single morning. And after I got the flu, I couldn't do the yoga in the morning, but I would like get angry at myself and just call myself lazy. Like I would feel like I was being lazy. And then I would try to go swimming, which was my favorite thing in the mm. world before I got ME. And I I was used to like, no matter how bad I felt, if I went into the water, I would feel better. And then when I got, after the flu, I after I went in the water, I, I literally thought I was going to die. And so like my entire body just like hurt. And then I, and my muscles felt so heavy and I just felt horrible. And I'd been sick. Like I'd had chronic illness stuff for a decade or two and 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 this was unlike you know any of my previous experiences and so i didn't believe myself and i didn't understand and i kept pushing and then um in early april so i got the the flu new year's eve so january february march so about 3 months after i got the flu um i went into like really intense convulsions at work and had to get taken to the hospital where they basically told me I was crazy and then I had yeah. to deal with gaslighting all all the things mm. that we have to deal with um mm. but it was at that point in early April that I became mostly homebound I still tried to do some stuff it didn't go well but I still pushed and pushed because I didn't understand ME and I, and um even once I got a diagnosis I didn't understand the doctor didn't give me any kind of he just said I had ME and sent me on my way and said sorry pal like he <laughs> good luck and, um, so i was like more focused on some infections that i had tested positive for rather than the me so then in august of that year some a local person who also has mecfs came to my house she was a friend of a friend and explained to me why i couldn't walk why i couldn't do things why after exertion I thought I was going to die you know like she basically mentored me and 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 until then I just I didn't understand and I kept pushing and I and I and I and I thought I was crazy and yeah it's it's, it's just like um so I guess that's the very very short version of Miami story and then um she gave me information about some doctors I could go to to get um, a, a sort of more significant, um, uh, basically to get diagnosed by somebody in a way that would help me get um, benefits um, for disability. And also um, I went to, I don't, a lot of you might've heard of this doctor, Dr. Sistrom. Um, if you live in the U.S. especially um, and in the East Coast, he does these tests for what's called preload heart failure, which is also called low blood volume and low filling pressure, which is very common for people with ME. 
it's an autonomic nervous system thing that basically um, you're feeling pressure drops in a way where you're not getting oxygen to your brain. And wow. so when I went to him, um, I finally understood why I had a really hard time being on my feet and walking. Um, and that really helped me because until then, I even after the understanding the ME diagnosis, it was still, I was still kind of feeling like I was making up the fact that I couldn't walk um, more than just like puttering around. So I can putter around. I'm very lucky. I can putter around. I can do a little activity, um, but I'm mostly homebound and mostly in bed. Um, yeah. Well, one thing that you said was really, really made me think was about how you had that friend that came and sort of talked to you about Emmy. And it, it seems like so many of us kind of find out about Emmy or learn about our own illness through kind of non-conventional means through, you know, the, the 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 support's not always there through the health services and that kind of we're we're often kind of like um finding out about illness the the specifics and how to manage illness through kind of peer support rather than often the, the sort of medical profession which hopefully that will things will change going forward so you know that's been kind of like a hope I, for quite a long time now hasn't it that, that things yeah in my <laughs> I really believe that there should be a lot of coaching available, not like how to get better, but just how mm. to um, how to minimize harm to your body as a person with ME um, and, and kind of the problems you might face, like the sensory problems, the problems with medication, and the problems with food. Like, I really feel like there should be coaches of like available to really help us because yeah i really think that a lot of people with me have to learn how to take care of themselves while devastatingly sick um through their own efforts at connecting with the illness which i'm not like i think that's wonderful mm -hmm. and maybe in the end we're gonna have to create our own sort of mentorship programs so that you know mm -hmm. but it's I think the problem is that people don't always know how to find each other and and you know everybody's everybody's ME experience is unique and a little different so a lot of people are going to have different you know like my symptoms are not exactly like your symptoms um mm. so you know to to be able to find somebody who can sort of help you understand the possible range of symptoms and how to do self care and how to um to try to sort of avoid post-exertional mayonnaise as, as <laughs> much as is possible. And mm. um, yeah, I really wish that there were highly accessible ways to, to get that kind of support. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was um, reading recently that apparently in Iceland, they're looking at setting up it because it's such a small population. They're looking at setting up like a, a hub sort of type, um facility for people with me to come and get that that sort of support and that sort of um you know advice and and and, and support in terms of in terms of pacing of things um so yeah that it would be great to sort of have more of that um in terms of kind of like what you spend your time doing now and, and talking about creativity you, you you've written uh, a number of books since you became ill um how how was that in terms of trying to 
manage the kind of the writing and planning and and everything that goes into sort of producing a book while kind of having me with with that sort of cognitive dysfunction i mean both of the books that i published um were drafted before i got me um okay. but i edited them both with me which was um it was pretty early on in me i think they were both published maybe in 2016 hold on i'm going to Get a little drink of water. Um, it was, um, it was really hard, and it was a lot of work, but it was it was really rewarding. And at the time, I I um I was quite isolated, and and I didn't have, um, I had a lot of help, a lot of support from friends, and from, um, I actually was able to pay an editor, which was an amazing thing that I wish I still was able to do. It's like I had, um, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, um, it's hard cause I don't remember it that well, but I just remember, um, really enjoying, I really, so earlier on in my illness, I was able to do a lot more writing and a lot more watching of like TV and films and, mm. um, I moved three years ago, and since then, I've been having a really hard time. I haven't yet recovered from the move, and, and mm. I'm still very much struggling to write um, and and can't seem to watch hardly any um, TV or movies because it's just, like, too much sensory input and too much, like, emotional stress, um, and my adrenaline just kind of goes a little bonkers, but... Um, yeah. So, but earlier on in with me, I was able to do quite a bit of writing, and it was because I was so isolated. It was such a comforting thing, and and really, um, really um, meaningful. And I I really enjoyed the process of editing and publishing those books. But I I wouldn't have been able to do it with a lot of help and support of various kinds, and. The other part of this is that because I couldn't do any kind of book tour, um, mm. I did one reading and Dan was there and um, that was online. And, you know, so I wasn't able to in any way um, really uh, market the books so that, you know, I did get I, I got on like two shortlisted for. I think two or three awards and I got on a list of like um book group books to read i think through the i'm i'm trying to remember i think through the jewish book council um and so you know in some ways it was really satisfying to to get a little bit of recognition for the work that i did but i wasn't able to promote the books in a way you know they basically you know they're they were forgotten very quickly because i wasn't able to get any momentum even with the sort of award stuff um mm. and the being on the the jewish i think it was the jewish book council list um yeah so so you know writing a book is just part of being an author and 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 if you want anybody mm. to read your book you have to be um a person in the world and and with me, it is very hard to be a person in the world. And then also, like, I'm, you know, I think I'm deeply introverted, which in some ways have saved my ass with me. Like, I think people I know who are extroverted and have illnesses that isolate them, I think it's much, um, this is just me 
theorizing about things that I don't know. So please don't, <laughs> don't take this and run with it as a fact. But I think that from just from people I've talked to who who are more extroverted and, and the kind of isolation that comes with chronic illness and ME is, is much, seems to be much harder. Like for me, hiding <laughs> is, is my nature. And so I think between just being an introvert and, and um, being terrified of like too much attention on social media and in general, and then um, not being able to do any kind of book readings, um, you know, in, in some ways, like I wrote the books into a vacuum, but, but I did really enjoy the process and, you know, it's nice to have accomplished something like there are times that I wonder if I'm ever going to be able to finish another book. And there are so many mm. projects I want to, so many projects that I'm working on and want to finish. And, and, and I'm really like, I go kind of back and forth between being really hopeful that like, I'll, something will shift and I'll be able to do more work and then just feeling this kind of um, hopelessness and, and despair. And um, uh, yeah, I forget where this was going, but <laughs> does, yeah, is, did process. I answer your question? Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 it's what's really interesting is that I, I read um, one of your books kind of not too long after we started sort of chatting online because uh, I was like, I, I want to kind of, um, yeah, read one of one of your books, um, and it was it was it the right thing to do at the time? Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, um, and it's a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And uh, from a sort of trans Jewish perspective, is that right? Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it, but I, I couldn't read it now, not because I didn't want to read it, but but um, mm -hmm. my ability to read books and particularly fiction has kind of gone out the window, and um, because it, I just struggle to um, kind of uh, process and retain the names of the characters, who's who, where the storyline's going. Um, and I, even audiobooks that are fiction, I struggle with because I'll fall asleep and then I'll sort of forget where I was at and then having to try and figure out. And, and it's just, it's frustrating. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, I tend to dip into maybe like non-fiction audiobooks now purely because... They might be talking about something interesting and then um i can kind of like pick it up again later and i don't have to kind of like carry the narrative really but um but yeah i i really enjoyed your book when i read it at the time and um i know on the last podcast i said that we weren't comedians but i, I think you are at heart because i think there was some really funny stuff in there um and i i appreciated learning an awful lot about not only the trans community but um kind of a lot of the the jewish heritage and how those things of the the intersection of those things and and, and I, I thought it was brilliant so yeah if if people do want to read um i think we'll probably need to put links down to your um your books as well um so i have yeah. a bunch of i think i have boxes of those books because the person <laughs> who um i kind of co-published them with somebody who was um a co-publisher and distributor and she um, basically, so there were these changes to, um, the means of distribution of books changed in a way that especially affected small presses, um, negatively. And I could talk more about that, but, but I, you know, we're, this has already been, I think, longer than we meant it to be. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we still have Dan's story to get to. So, um, but I will say that, yeah, so she basically stopped 
running her small press because it became nearly impossible to to distribute books in a in a um just because of sort of economic forces um and 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 one of the biggest distributors well I'll leave it there but but I will say that I have boxes of books so if people do want um uh, you know you can always just read it on on Kindle I'm happy to send you PDFs um or I could potentially you know send out some hard copies if people want them um you can just let me know um you may be able to get them on Amazon I'm not sure but um but yeah, I'm happy to just send them out to you if if I, I can find someone to help me get to the post office and stuff. I, I got a copy on Amazon and it was, um, I think it was like printed over here potentially in the UK. I think sometimes they like do on-demand printing sort of thing. Um, and I think that's how I got a copy through Amazon. But yes, um, well, thanks for sharing your story. That was um, really great. And I think I think there's a lot similarities for a lot of us isn't there in terms of how we kind of like became ill in terms of like the process of learning and understanding our bodies and i think that that that's gonna ring true for an awful lot of people in terms of discovering and then trying and we haven't even kind of like touched on living with the condition really have we it's um there's there's so much to talk about so i think what we thought was um just because of time yes. um uh we'll we'll talk about my story next time hopefully and then and then go from there but um uh we have got an advert but but please don't please don't skip forward because this is an important advert um <laughs> I uh, yeah, uh, on 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 um on podcasts you get all these adverts don't you and, and people say oh we're going to do our advert now um so this is a company called exhaustion enterprises um and, and i'd be interested Dov, to see what you think of of this product because um it could be revolutionary really really could it, it it's not a real product okay <laughs> so these are the air baggy trousers is your chronic illness wearing you down to the ground we have something for you to wear prone to your legs getting prone to your legs getting wobbly or your muscles giving way try our exclusive luxury lined bruise break and bump prevention trousers working closely with luxembourg car manufacturer hyondis We've used motoring industry standard airbags, airbag technology to create stylish and almost discreet wearable pants. When alerted to a fall using built-in sensors tested at crash speeds of up to 200 miles an hour, these prevention pants will inflate before you hit the ground. Now with app-controlled air conditioning and heating, just connect your, to your Wi-Fi and your exhaustion enterprise's airbaggy trousers can regulate your precious pins. The airbaggy trousers are designed not just with functionality in mind, but with your unique style. We worked with legendary art and fashion icon Stella McPlant to bring you retro 90s flares, flowing hippie generation harem pants, and naughty's jeggings. Find your style, find your freedom with the airbaggy trousers from Exhaustion Enterprises. Not to be worn outdoors, not suitable for house households with pets. Take 16 AA rechargeable batteries, excellent three-month warranty, Try our financing scheme. Only 36 monthly payments of $69.99. Terms and conditions apply. Exhaustion Enterprises, we've got you sorted. Um, so we might be hearing more from Exhaustion Enterprises going forwards. But um, no, I thought I thought really it was it was it was just a, a an example of sometimes things are things are sort of advertised and try to be sold to people within the chronic illness community that 
that are just a bit bonkers or don't make sense or actually they're just really expensive um so... you shouldn't say that they come with vinegar <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I just want to say like when dan sent me this i was imagining that like when the when the trousers it, like i was imagining sort of helium trousers picking you off the ground and that like people would turn upside down so i was imagining oh, hitting like, the ceiling and stuff <laughs> yeah like kind of like yeah i was i was having fun imagining the airbaggy trousers so yeah in so action so um so i'm sure if you want a pair um you probably won't be able to buy them because they just uh were created in my brain but there you go um so we were going to have also um a poetry section and uh i didn't know if you wanted to read this poem by natalie Grav gravel first i just want to imagine a room full of people <laughs> with me wearing baggy trousers <laughs> and they would just look ridiculous wouldn't they they would just be like padded out and oh, um... but what if we're all like floating around because they do it? actually they do actually make them because i was watching some motorbike racing recently and i did discover that actually they do have airbag trousers um in in super bikes and stuff so that when the the dry the racer kind of oh, comes so... off they do actually inflate but obviously it's probably not functional and practical within a um uh, a living environment yeah. i don't suppose no. <laughs> i don't know why my brain imagines helium is involved because i know that there's not actually helium in airbags but i just imagine like almost like like in a, in a um astronaut situation like just people sort of being lifted up into the air as if there is zero gravity I, I like i like the idea almost a bit like um charlie and the chocolate factory the old one where they kind of floating up into the um oh, do you, I barely do you remember, that? remember that i yeah. didn't see that since i was a kid yeah because it um... scared it scared me yeah <laughs> it's uh it's it's yeah there's a great bit where um uncle joe isn't it um and and, and charlie kind of go floating up in the bubble into the bubbles wasn't it and scary then, though when they did that yeah because they nearly get trapped at the top of the building don't they they nearly there's a fan that's going around and around and they kind of nearly got oh. kind of too, <laughs> too too much drama too much drama um so Can there we go Airbaggy trousers. Uh, more products from Exhaustion Enterprises uh, to come in the future. Yes, <laughs> All being well. Thank you um, for that. Well, you did. You really went all out with that. Like you went into really minute details in a really great way. Yeah, I got a bit carried away. I think I love um, it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to read a poem by um, and Dan. Will you tell? Do you know the pronoun? If I'm pronouncing this right, Natalie Robin Justice Gravel. Yeah, Natalie uh, Natalie Robin Justin. Uh, the Justice is a kind of um, I think uh, uh, Nat Natalie's frustration and her husband supported her as well. She's got really severe Emmy, um, and uh, it's great to see when she's online because we know she's doing a little bit better. Um, and uh, yeah, she posted this on Twitter recently. So um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to read Natalie's poem um, to the best of my ability. And um, um, yeah, thank you, Natalie, for this. Um, I'm not sure uh, if the, if there's a title to this, so I'm just going to call it The Day After, because mm. um, that's the first line as far as I can tell. Um, the day after a good day, the hardest of days, the lights go out, the light goes out. Silence returns, you're swallowed back 
into the darkness, doors shut on every possibility, imprisoned, shackled to your bed, waiting, waiting, waiting for the day after the suffering ends and life begins again. Mm. Mm. And I think that really just highlights the experience, doesn't it, of post-exertional malaise. Um, any anything that we do kind of like um can hit us hard um and and then it, it goes kind of from that active state to that still state um where we're we're sort of like in bed and it's it's really unpleasant um yeah. but i've got one more quote to finish with yeah. and it's you'll have to see see if you can um you know where this has come from um now stillness is my ocean and i've learned to swim in it I thought that was brilliant. Who's that? That's you. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I don't remember. Was it in an email? It was no. It was in a, an online essay that you wrote about walking, and uh, that I was reading oh, again. That essay I wrote. Yeah, yeah, it was very oh, that, good. I feel very strongly about that. Oh, a whole nother conversation will have. <laughs> Definitely. Because there's this whole sort of lore on writers and walking. Um, you'll see so many things written about writers walking in cities, writers like Jane Austen walking, um, uh, Virginia Woolf walking, um, Rimbaud, probably however you say his name, walk, walk is that Rimbaud walking? Um, who is the original Flanure? Was that, it's in French, it's like Flanure. Anyways, Dickens walking, it, like there's so much stuff about writers walking and then um, more Recently, you have um, Rebecca. Oh, what's her name? Re Re Rebecca. Um, she wrote ex "Men Explain Things to Me." Um, there, and then there's a lot of contemporary writers who write about like how walking is integral to their writing process. And I kind of was just like, "What if you can't walk? You mm. know, or what if you're not safe? You know, I I was thinking of it from an Emmy perspective, but also from a perspective of like some people aren't. It's not safe for them to walk, or some people mm. walking means you know I don't know. I just had this anyway. So yes, I wrote an essay, and I but I didn't remember that line. Thank you. It was very good, and I just yeah, I was just looking at it again today, and it's like now stillness is my ocean, and I've learned to swim in it. So we're all kind of learning to swim in that ocean of stillness to try and um get back to a place of where we can make meaning again and, and feel like ourselves um so yeah i think that's probably it for this week i think we'll come back another time and talk about me um yes and then and then we we will be then um having a, a mixture of uh guests and then us just talking randomly about different themes um around this idea or the the, the concept of post-exertional malaise, mayonnaise, and, and, and how it impacts us um, because it is the most significant kind of part, I think, for many of us of living with ME. And it's this sort of signature um, thing that we have to deal with, really. So um, thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.